Zscaler extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines trained by 500 trillion daily signals to prevent ransomware and AI attacks that target business. Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI. Learn more at zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. We all know that feeling of driving around a bend late at night, wondering what's in the distance. A deer, another car, a fallen tree. And then turning on the brights and achieving a new clarity. There's a lot of confidence gained from those high beams. Right now, we're waiting for that moment of clarity for self-driving cars. They quite literally need better vision to solve the challenges of bringing autonomy to a fast-moving vehicle. The industry is hard at work on that issue as we speak. And that's sparking a big debate about how to build the perfect car. More on that to come later in the episode. First, we need to understand how self-driving cars actually see the world around them. How they activate their brights. We reached out to one of the leaders in the field a newly public company called Luminar Technologies, to get an explanation. The way I look at autonomy, we are witnessing the single largest transformation to transportation since the Model T. That's Jason Eichenholz. He's the co-founder and chief technology officer of Luminar. He has a PhD in optical science and engineering, and his products have been all over the world and beyond. I've had my systems go to Mars, to the moon, to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, to the top of Mount Everest, to medical devices. It's really using optics and photonics to go do something. Jason is the kind of person that can focus on the scientific details while also finding ways to raise money from venture capitalists. Luminar went public late last year and is now valued at some $5.5 billion. It's one of several big companies focused almost exclusively on a new technology called LiDAR. In some ways, it's an evolution of radar, which has been around for over a century. And in some ways, it's entirely new. The way traditional vision-based systems work, you get a light source. It could be the sun. It could be the headlights from your car. It could be streetlights. That light reflects off an object and comes back to a camera that perceives those images. With LiDAR technology, we are effectively the sun. We are the light source. We shoot a pulse of light out into the world. We know where it's pointing exceptionally well, with very high accuracy. And we measure the amount of time it takes for that pulse of light to come back. The measurement is key. It allows Luminar systems to create a highly accurate map of the surrounding area up to a thousand feet in front of the car. The long distance, which older radar technology can't provide, is essential because a car traveling 60 miles an hour needs to make a decision far in advance of the obstacle. Think about sitting at a major intersection preparing to make a left-hand turn. The cars are coming the other way at 45 miles an hour, and it's up to you to decide when to go. The only information that matters is how far the cars are and how quickly you perceive them to be going. I remember remember sitting at an intersection with my dad when I just got my learner's permit, trying to do it. Funny enough, one of the first things was an unprotected left turn. And it it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. And made your dad's, you know, knuckles turn white. Yes. It it was hard. So now we're trying to have autonomous vehicles do it and we can't give them vision beyond, you know, a half a football field down the road. 
That's why we want to provide that information two football fields away. So how does LIDAR improve on radar, which has been around for about 100 years? It basically comes down to the lasers, which offer more accuracy at longer distances. Remember that analogy to the brights on a car? Think of LIDAR as those high beams times a million. But how do brighter lights help a car drive itself? Well, as Jason notes, light travels at a constant speed. So by knowing how long light takes to reflect off a distant point, we get a precise distance and ultimately a perfect map of what's ahead. And so we time it sort of like with a stopwatch, except we have ASICs and little integrated chips that measure that time exceptionally precisely. From there, it's almost easy. The computer takes the map and guides the car. Humans do all of these things without a second thought. For computers, though, it all has to be perfect. Any mistake in the code is a matter of life and death. How self-driving builds this map has become a matter of fierce debate, the foundational question of how we build self-driving cars. And it pits Tesla and Elon Musk against everyone else. Well, I want to just get to your slam on LiDAR because it's pretty clear you don't like LiDAR. And this... LiDAR is um, lame. LiDAR is lame. And cars is freaking stupid. It's expensive and unnecessary. And as Andre was saying, once you solve vision, it's worthless. So you have expensive hardware that's worthless on the car. They're all going to dump LiDAR. That's my prediction. Mark my words. LiDAR is the fool's errand. And anyone relying on LiDAR is doomed. Musk is convinced that the only way forward is to instead rely on computer brains to build their own maps. Essentially, give a car a camera and let the computer figure out what it sees. It's similar, but many levels beyond, what Google and Apple do today when they look for your kids, trees, and birthday cakes in your photos. As you may have noticed in your photo library, the technology is far from perfect. And Tesla's self-driving cameras have already been tripped up. Somebody posted a video of their Tesla autopilot car slamming on the brakes at a particular place. It always did that for some reason, and the driver couldn't figure out why it was doing that. That's Melanie Mitchell, a professor at the Santa Fe Institute whose research focuses on artificial intelligence. And it turned out there was a billboard that had a stop sign, a kind of a stylized stop sign on it saying like, you know, stop drugs or something like that. And the car thought that was a stop sign where no human would think that was a stop sign. You know, it was kind of missing the context of what constitutes like a real stop sign as opposed to, you know, a stop sign being used as a little message for something else. We'll talk more with Melanie about AI and self-driving next week. As with everything in its business, Tesla remains the boldest mover when it comes to self-driving cars. As we were recording this podcast, Elon Musk was basically live-tweeting the company's progress. Just a few days ago, Tesla briefly pulled back on the latest version of its full self-driving software. Musk's rationale, while certainly honest, also felt a bit scary. Regression in some left turns at traffic lights found by internal QA in 10.3. Fix and work, Musk wrote. He went on to remind his followers, This is to be expected with beta software. It is impossible to test all hardware configs in all conditions with internal QA, hence public beta. What Musk is saying is that self-driving has gone well beyond the laboratories. The only way to make progress from here is to flip the switch and let software take over our cars. 
It's quintessential Elon Musk. Ambitious, and maybe even necessary. But that doesn't make it practical, and it certainly won't make it easy. Federal regulators are already looking into Tesla's autonomous efforts. More on that later this season. In the meantime, everyone else is trying to make self-driving work in our existing frameworks. Luminar, for instance, is working with automakers to add their LiDAR equipment to future cars. For most of the self-driving world, in fact, LiDAR is the emerging standard, the clear way forward. Here's Luminar CEO Austin Russell. You take a look at the industry now, you take a look at all the automakers, and they're pretty much all on the same page, with maybe the exception of one person. I don't mind some of the headlines sometimes around controversy or a debate or whatever it is, because it's bringing to attention and to light some of the things that need to be brought attention to. Russell isn't denying the need for improved AI, which could eventually allow cars to interpret images from cameras. It's just not clear that part of the equation works yet. The reality is there's no question AI is advancing rapidly. But it goes back to that question of replicating the human brain and the functionality. And there is no path to in any immediate future, replicating the same kind of visual function as a human brain. It's just not there by many orders of magnitude. And, you know, that's where you take a look at even just like camera and radar systems, like basic safety cases. Can it reliably detect the pedestrian in front of you to be able to prevent a collision with that? According to independent tests and third parties like AAA that did the recent studies, the the answer is no. Russell's view is that LiDAR is the missing link that can make everything work because of that highly detailed map we talked about earlier. You have to have great quality data. It doesn't matter how good your software is. If your data is in great quality, then then it's not going to have a good result. So that's the most important thing to get the best possible foundation. Then on top of that, you do still need great software as well. You need great processing. You need great things there. But getting great data is, is one of the most important things you could possibly do off the bat. It's worth pointing out that ultimately, the battle between LiDAR and Musk's cameras could be moot. It's in everyone's interest to build cars that offer the greatest safety features. And regulators one day are likely to require it all. Airbags never made seatbelts obsolete, and now they're both required. While the debate over cameras versus LiDAR is a spectacle that gets lots of attention, the real work behind the scenes is what matters. And the stakes couldn't be higher. Here's Luminar's CTO, Jason Eichenholz, again. People have become, unfortunately, quite accustomed to fatalities and accidents in this country. On any given day, the equivalent of a 737 drops out of the sky in automobile fatalities every working day. So on Monday, imagine a Southwest plane dropping out of the sky. On Tuesday, United. On Wednesday, Delta. Do you think anybody would be at the airport Thursday? Because they're geographically and temporally diverse, people don't think about it. It doesn't affect them. It only makes the news, the headlines, when something big happens. I'm a volunteer firefighter, EMT. I've been doing this for decades now. I know what happens when vehicles have car crashes with fatalities. I see the families. I see the victims. You see what could have been or could not have been prevented. This is personal. And if we can simultaneously provide a level of autonomy to a consumer and at the same time create a safer driving environment at the times that a vehicle isn't in autonomous mode, holy smokes, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't consumers demanding 
this level of protection. One answer is that there's still plenty of confusion among drivers about what's even possible. Tesla's latest full self-driving mode, for instance, only rates at level 2 of 5 on a globally accepted scale of self-driving technology. We'll talk more about those levels next week and how far we still remain from the level 5 experience. While building a car with no human involvement is the ultimate goal, industry players like Russell are increasingly taking a more measured approach. Instead of racing to a science fiction future, they see lots of baby steps that can actually improve passenger safety today. Here's Luminar CEO Austin Russell again. The goal is to be able to let you drive, do everything you need to do, give you the freedom that you need. But the point is is that if it senses that you're going to get into an accident, that's when you take over the controls. And the driver may not be paying attention, they may be distracted, they may not have seen whatever object was running out in front, but that's when you need to take over because that's the feature that no one's developed. It's, it's, it's almost kind of crazy in some ways. One challenge to Luminar's vision of improved safety via automation is that no one today wants to hear how unsafe their existing car is. And that's probably why so much of the current conversation is so focused on the future a time when we can watch Netflix in the backseat. That message, though, remains at odds with our current know-how. It's one more reason our quest for autonomous cars remains so fraught. Someone has to see through the hype. You're a bit of a, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like you're a bit of a pragmatist around this technology. I mean, obviously, you know, you've you've had huge visions here, but you're a bit of a pragmatist when it comes to how how we will apply self-driving technology. Is that fair? Absolutely. That, that I, I, I 100% to a point of it, sometimes I've been called like a, you know, chief industry skeptic, you know, when it, when it comes down to it. And, and I've, I've bet everything that we have, the entire company and everything on this strategy and on this vision. I'm not here to give some, you know, fluffy answer about rainbows and unicorns about how all this is going to play out. You have to take a practical view. And if you do, and you take the right strategy, then it can pay off big time. Thanks for listening to The Readback. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, we're glad to have you back for our new season. Either way, we'd love to know what you think of the show. Please leave a review if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make it easier for others to find the show. You can also email us at thereadbackatbarons.com. Thanks to Jason Eichenholz, Melanie Mitchell, and Austin Russell. For more coverage on self-driving, check out barons.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The Readback is produced by Katie Ferguson. Melissa Haggerty is our executive producer. Additional thanks to Meta Lutzhoft and Jackson Cantrell. Next week on the show, cars were created to use some of our greatest skills. Why that's proving so hard to replicate with artificial intelligence. Humans aren't exactly the best drivers here. You know, they have their own flaws with everything. But it actually sets a surprisingly high benchmark. And they have brains that, frankly, no compute solution can replicate. We'll be back next week. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. 
Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.